Welcome to the show. This is the Magician and the Fool podcast, episode number 61. My name is Dominic. I am one of the co-hosts. The other co-host is Janus, and he will be here shortly. Today, we have the pleasure of speaking to Mr. David Pentano. David is an independent researcher, translator, historian, and writer specializing in spirituality, metaphysics, philosophy, and the initiatic practices of East and West. He is the author of The Magic Door and is the translator of the book The Hermetic Physician. We're going to jump right into the episode, but before we do, I just want to say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. You are helping to keep the lights on here and ensuring that the show continues forward. If you would like to partner with us and help with this project, feel free to jump onto Patreon and do what you can. We dedicate this to Hermes and Asclepius, and may any merits that we accumulate doing this work be distributed to all sentient beings so that they, together with us, may equally realize awakening. Okay, we are here with David Pantano. We're very excited. We've got a lot to talk about. Foremost is the Hermetic Physician, his new book or his new translation of uh, a book by Marco Daffy. Um, So we're going to be talking about Italian Hermetic uh, practices, healing arts, and I'm sure all sorts of other things. Welcome to the show, David. Thanks very much. I'm glad to be here. I look forward to really engaging, discussing with you guys. Yeah, we're excited to have you. This is going to be good. Yeah, so David, as we usually do, um, if you don't mind, would you mind, uh, that's repetitive, if you don't mind, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, how you got into this kind of work, and then we'll we'll go from there. Okay, yeah, sure. And this is always like the hardest question to answer when you have to talk about yourself. But I, I consider myself an independent scholar, a historian, a researcher, translator. Um, I speak, uh, I went to school at, at college university in, in the Latin languages, so primarily French, um, Spanish, um, and uh, Italian, and um, involved in, or my interest in Hermeticism goes back to, to my youth when I was a sprawling, um, wide-eyed adolescence around 40, 14th, where I was introduced to the works of Machiavelli, and I, I read The Prince, and I wasn't really impressed. And I go, this guy's, you know, I think there was a deodorant called the Machiavelli or Prince Machiavelli <laughs> or something like that. 
And so I went to the library and I read the prints. And I wasn't really wasn't that impressed by that. So his second book on the on the dialogues of Titus Livy, where he explains the um, the workings of history and what you can learn from it, the loss from it, and it really gave me a sense of of how Rome became great. And um, that in itself was a was a really eye opener, and it gave me a love for the classics and. And the, I guess of this branch or this current of, of wisdom, that which is like the Greco-Roman. And, and I was mentioning to earlier guys, it's, it really um, spawned my interest in a particular period of the Renaissance where Hermeticism and Neoplatonism was revised um, through the works of a scholar called uh, Mark, Marsilio Ficino, who was under the tutelage of the ruler of Florence, Lorenzo de' Medici, to translate the recently discovered um, Codex of uh, Hermetic Books, which was 15 at those times. And, um, and uh, you know, from Ficino, there was a great lineage that went to Giordano Bruno, Tommaso Campanella, all the way up to about the 1600s. It's one of the last books on this tradition called the Magical World of of Heroes by Cesare de, Re- de Rivera, which Julius Evola translated uh, and published um, in the in in the last century, and from there it really ended with the uh, the Cartesian um, revolution of rationalism, where you know things that weren't um, explainable or that you know didn't have a three dimension to be verified were of the fantasy. So a lot of the metaphysics, a lot of these. Hermetic and Neoplatonic um, uh, content and 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 currents of thought just sort of went dormant, and there was an underground movement uh, to keep it in line, specifically in Naples, uh, by this writer called uh, Gian Battista Vico, who wrote the wrote a number of work number of works, the most famous being the New Science, and uh, where he really took to task uh, the the limitations of Cartesian thoughts of, of, you know, the mind that we are our mind. The mind is like, is just one component of our being. It's not the first or the outmost. It's more of a symptom than a cause. And um, there, there was this underground current that continued to, to, um, to flourish in Italy among scholars, among independent researchers of, of her, of hermeticism. And as, as I mentioned earlier, um, Really, my discovery in the, in the in the 1980s with an author, uh, a notorious author called Julius Avila, who really brought these this type of hermetic thinking uh, back to life, or at least to the forefront, in in a very rigorous scholarly manner, with his books called uh, the Hermetic Tradition, the Ur Group, the three volumes, the Yoga, uh, the, the 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 Yoga of Tantra, uh, his, his books on Buddhism. On on on, um, on alpinism or mountain climbing, so there's a whole range. He really helped to light uh, imagination that this current didn't die in the 16th; that it was still revived. And through Evola, I became aware of of uh, this really thoroughbred hermeticist, uh, not only in theory but in practice, like Giuliano Kremerz and Marco Daffy, Arturo Regini, and uh, the the uh, Hermeticist that uh, I was in touch with uh, from Geneva called Gian Maria, who died last year, sprite age of 95 years old, who wrote about 30 books as well. And and from that, I was a- that material or that lineage, I was able to put together my first book called The Magic Door, the study on the Italic 
Hermetic tradition, which traces uh, the, the the history or the the lineage from the mythical foundings of the Golden Bow uh, to the classical Roman area era, and then afterwards to the contemporary scene that some of the names I just talked about. And from that, I wrote um, uh, and translated a work by Kremertz on a number of his material that focused mostly on the history of the Miriam, which was the Isaac or a lunar type of order that he he developed or that he founded in the late 1800s as a means for those who are interested in hermeticism to take their theory into practice and focusing on healing, which was a, a very traditional method to develop um, hermetic uh, and 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 um, metaphysical powers through the art of, of healing, through the Asclepian art of healing, and is also a means to tame one's beast, one's egoistic tendencies, is that you heal other people. You go, go outside of your Principius individualness to realize that these, these theories and these practices are universal, and it's a spiritual science that they can be uh, validated and confirmed in, in real-life settings. So, um, you know, and one thing to another, uh, going to Rome in 96 and meeting authorities of, of this current and um, getting uh, an internal or inside uh, information on the practice helped to further develop my knowledge. And uh, here we go. And I've done a number of other translations and other works as well that um, will be coming out soon as well that will continue this uh, tradition. Well, that's great. No, um, so you're definitely a scholar. I get the hint. I get a hint that you you're a practitioner too. From some of the things you said, would would that be an accurate assumption for me to make, or would you prefer to remain? Um, yeah, no, I think yeah, and and however you want to define that, leave that up to the listeners and to yourselves. But definitely, um, to know something, you have to be it, or else it's all just theoretical mumbo jumbo. And I'm not. It's not my personal equation just to uh, talk in the uh, speculative mode. It's basically to confirm for my own um, for, for my own understanding theorems that uh, that resonate with me and that uh, have a practical application. So very much so interested in the pl- practical applications of these um, theories and doctrines and um, ideas that uh, I write about and that which I'm interested in as well. Now, Kremertz, I mean, he the proof, I mean, he was living, he was like a living legend in his time. I mean, when it comes to healing, this guy actually healed people. This guy actually did what, you know, he walked the walk. He wasn't just, you know, writing a bunch of bullshit mumbo jumbo. Yeah. You know, he was going out there and putting the esoteric techniques into practice. Yeah. And and I think one of the great things about the the book, The Hermetic Phys- Physician by Marco Daffy, who knew Kremertz, who was probably the leading light of that tradition after Kremerz died um, was that he he wasn't afraid to um, give credit where credit due, but also to expose some of the negative aspects of of the practice and of the doctrine, the lack of organizational uh, structure, the the hierarchy that was put in place that led to uh, almost taking on a Masonic component, where you know the leaders of various academies or of various Hermetic chains with 
you know, wanted to be treated like they were like miracle workers. And, you know, Daffy says these in itself are counterproductive. The real hermetic physician doesn't go about, you know, wearing rings and 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 uh, publicizing themselves. The, it's, the, the proof is in the pudding. And Kramer was that. It was definitely one who was reserved on the outside, but inside had just wealth of knowledge. Um, it's, it's just, uh, he, he didn't have to, he was both gifted in terms of his, his ability with the pen, but also with the, with the wand to heal people as well. He was, there are a number of, of eyewitnesses and, and firsthand accounts of how his practices were able to turn really significant cases where people were given up by conventional medicine and that using his knowledge of understanding the karmic uh, retributions or implications of an individual who is undergoing some difficult times to to understand how to um, read the the underlying causal and not just the symptoms, which is what most for the most part conventional medicine addresses, and and with his knowledge and experience and the various um, uh, education he did both in conventional medicine, but also in some of these hermetic medicines was laid, allowed him to develop some experimental modes to treat people in non-conformist manners, but also to help them. And his record really stands for itself in terms of the testimonies of, of the number of people he, he helped to heal or reduce the pain. Nice. And just for those listening, we're talking about uh, Giuliano Kremers. Um, so maybe let's take a step back for a second. Let's talk about who he was, where he came from, um, who were his teachers, what were his sources? Sure. Um, so Kremitz was born in um, in a small town south of Naples called Portici, and um, uh, from a very modest family. In in the family, there was um, uh, an older gentleman without a family who was the who lived in their house, and he was an, an initiate in a secret order called the Egyptian order. And his name was Pasquale de Service, and his hermetic name was called Izar. And Izar was very strong in astrological and hermetic healings. And he and the, the 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 talk on the street was that he initiated um Kremertz at a and Kremertz is a pseudonym is his birth name is I uh, just forgot it now. Um, Zero. Chiro Formizano, thank you. Chiro for thanks. And um, so Kremers was initiated in the hermetic practices at a young age. And I think, um, the, as it mentions in the book, that it was in the 1880s when uh, Ezer was still around, there was a huge cholera epidemic uh, in Europe, and specifically it hit the Naples region hard. So similar like, uh, not sim- similar like what uh, the world went through a couple of years ago, uh, with COVID, and um, you know, Kremers was talking with uh, his his master Izar about you know wanting to put these uh, hermetic practices to use for to help people to for good you know for good causes for beneficial ends. So he had in his mind to set up this um, lunar type of uh, order called the Miriam, based on these on the fem- divine feminine archetype of of the Maria. And there were other um, examples of of conf- of, um, of religious orders uh, that use similar type of prayers and so forth to help people who are going through a hard time, even those who had recently departed. So I'm sure that 
um, those confederations of religious orders, the confraternities were a big factor. There were also, um, uh, when he was young, Kremer studied magnetism and mesmerism, how to tap into frequencies to be able to um, project those frequencies, to, to store and project those frequencies to help those, because most people who are sick are, are lacking vital energy. And those who have, who, who, who undergo these practices is a live ascetic life, develop a, a greater amount of life force, of vitality, and the ability through practice to project those uh, energies of, the, of those who have an abundance to those who are lesser would help uh, to, to cure, to get, bring a, a level of homeostasis, of, of balance and, and equilibrium to those afflicted uh, with infirmities. So that was really the, 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 the nascence of, of the Miriam as a, based on, on the mystery traditions of Isis and Asclepius, where um, those uh, in the past, in ancient, uh, in classical uh, Egypt and Greece, and, and even in Rome, where sick individuals would go to a healer and they would put them in a trance or a dream state and, and really work with their astral body. So they're, they're not their somatic body, the body that we're in now that we relate to uh, with external senses, but the internal body of the opening up uh, your energetic centers. And that was more um, um, available for healing because the, the, the laws of gravity are, are less in, in, that, in that more fluidic state. So it was much open to go to the root of the affliction and, and to channel energy. And the Miriam based on collective energy. So it wasn't just one healer. It was a number of, of practitioners who would uh, practice this uh, daily ritual and other rituals according to certain celestial alignments to build up this level of purity where they could become like batteries to be able to um, store and project these collective beneficial energies to a focal point which is typically a healer, and then the healer would send that projected to the afflicted individual based on the the prescription that was identified. And and there is a it's a it's a pretty complex process. So I won't uh, go into all the details, but it wasn't meant to be a. It, it could be a therapy in and of itself, but it also could co- complement more conventional methods such as what doctors would prescribe or homeopathic um, practitioners would, pr- would prescribe as well. As long as there was a harmony in terms of the various prescriptions, that this energy type of, of, of healing, this distant healing, would seen uh, from Kremitz is to assist those who are in need with other methods that weren't in itself sufficient to heal the afflicted individual. So I'll leave it as that. If you want me to go into any further details, I'd be happy to, happy to. I just don't want to run off to a tangent without answering your question in terms of how we got involved with it. So definitely through his master, Izar, who is a specialist in, 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 this, in these therapies. And Izar uh, was part of this uh, uh, ancient um, order of, of mystics called the Egyptian Order that was connected to this Isium, this Isaac temple that was in uh, Pompeii, and that um, their 
with with the destruction of Pompeii through the volcano. And in the 1600s, there was some excavation and they found some uh, in the excavation, the temple of Isis, but also some manuscripts. And the and the manuscripts became part of the archive of this great Egyptian order. And um, there were a series of different, um, I guess, leaders of this current throughout history that um, specialize in various areas of this hermetic tradition. So there are a number of different um, leaders, such as you may have heard of Cagliostro, um, and uh, he, uh, the the head of the the Egyptian order at the time of Kremers was this um, highly highly developed initiate called Justiniano Lebano, and he was uh, head of the this uh, the the great Egyptian order, or the uh, order of uh, the Orient of Egypt. There were twelve members, and they oversaw various uh, initiatic uh, groups, such as the Rite of Mizraim, the Rite of Memphis, the Might of Rite of Memphis and Mizraim, and they provided a number of charters, and they were a connection with other initiates throughout Europe, like Elena Blavatsky or Rudolf Steiner. They were all initiated. Uh, there was a famous book uh, by called um, um, uh, by a Bulwer Lytton that was written in the 1800s, and apparently he was initiated in um, called Zanoni. The book was called Zanoni, and apparently he was initiated in, into the mysteries of this uh, uh, of the uh, great Egyptian order. Well, it's interesting too, because uh, as far as I understand, even these other orders like Memphis, Mizraim, things like that, are still an outer order to the exactly. Egyptian order. They're they're still an outer form, like the Masonizing influence is a, a later accretion that is actually it's actually somewhat alien to the core w which is inherently mediterranean almost in an aboriginal way of like that synthesis between the greek and the egyptian and the italic yeah traditions. i mean masonry in itself is just a vehicle to be honest and um the mizraim in, in memphis my knowledge of it it's much more of, of a spiritual to, and a her, and based on hermetic principles than some of the other rites of 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 uh, Freemasonry, like the York Rite or, or even of the Scottish Rite. So there were convergencies, and and you were right. It's an outer order to, to basically to recruit the candidates who are who uh, show potential to to some of the more internal practices like the, the like the Miriam. But the Miriam itself is is a lunar or is Isaiah practice. Uh, those who are who are considered uh, or who who uh, develop a, a a level of of powers and a purity are able to get initiated to a higher order, which is the Osirian order, uh, which was a uh, I guess a, uh, an, another um, order that uh, recruited from the Miriam itself, and they were more on internal alchemy than on therapeutic healing, which is again lunar it's basically taking the these cosmic energies or earth energies and being a conduit and from that there are correlative developments of your own psychic um uh, and uh, psychic powers and purities and those who are at an Osirian level have already reached that stage it's like channeling them to go uh, higher in the in the initiation kind of sounds like to me with the um Isian work 
you're acting as a uh, as a conduit or a step down transformer for transpersonal astral forces uh, to, to 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 use them in transference uh, into the bodies of the recipients in order to effectuate change. Yeah, well, I think you said it very well. Uh, the 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 only thing I would add to that that even though you are a a, a a channeler of these energies, you never lose yourself, your 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 core being, your identity with with your what they call the newman, which is the root of who you are. Um, you just you 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 realize that the soul is connected to this universal spirit, and from that there are various currents of energy that one can tap in without being absorbed into the greater whole and losing one's individuality. And, and that, I think, in my experience or my understanding, is one of the flaws or one of the um, difficulties that uh, neophytes have to, is to develop is that they're too easy to let themselves be taken over by these forces, not being able to synthesize them and to harness them and to project them for 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 their own use or for the use of the purpose of the of the order that they're initiated in so you know this you raise an interesting point here though because it, this makes a distinction with say other initiatic magical or religious practices where there is that transmission but it turns into a form of possession yeah. where the person becomes unconscious and exterior spirits enter them and operate through them without them even being aware of what's going on. Here, it sounds like you're describing actually a strengthening of the core self as a transmitter. It almost seems like the the Newman, like you said, or the, the, the Daimon would have to be strengthened in order to be able to handle the amplitude of the psychic force transmitted to be yeah, effective. Yeah, I'm not quite... I'm not quite sure about the second part of your your description. Just in the sense that to get to the Newman or the Daemon, as you use, you need to peer, you need to peel away the layers of yourself. So rather than fortifying what you think is your Newman, it just which just re- reinforces your egocentric self, is that you peel that all away, and that what's left is just the the kernel, the light of consciousness. And and that in itself um, uh, doesn't really have any qualities, or, or it's 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 your core. It's 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 a, it's a transpersonal self, and that itself is 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 just the basis of your identity and your tradition. So without trying to build superstructures or accretions onto what you think is the ordainment, which in a sense is just hiding your your egocentric your ego uh, your egocentric self. It's sort of like you want to get that all away, and just what is pure consciousness is the core of who you are. So when you say pure consciousness, you're aware of of everything as consciousness, but you also aware as yourself is is a is a figment of that uh, consciousness as well, and that's your individuality. So in this tradition, you don't lose your individuality. So for example, in Shaivism or or some of the other Hindu traditions, is that you the final stage you integrate with the with the with the all right with the brahman and then you extinguish yourself in in this italic uh i call it the heroic tradition you you don't extinguish the the, the root so a lot, in a lot of the eastern tra- traditions they negate the very existence of the soul it, they say it's it's part of um a part of the illusion part of maya 
uh, in in this uh, Greco-Roman Italic tradition, where the hero that that is transpersonal, so it's it's um, it's archetypal. That in itself is what continues. So the example in the book, Kremitz uses like a rose, uh, you know, a, a rose re. re you know, it regrows itself every year, every spring. You know, the petals die, the the branches recede, so on and so forth. But the core, the 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 sap, that never dies unless the withered roses don't grow again. Unless you've withered your rose, you've you've possessed or you've damaged your your core being so much that it doesn't have a chance to rebirth. So this this tradition. Um, believes or one of the tenets is is in reincarnation, but not reincarnation of the of the ego self or the historical self. It's understanding or trying to realize the newman, and the newman has its own name, uh, which is archetypal. And you know the newman is once you've you've been able to peel this away, and you're you're in typically in in these um, astral zones where the 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 past and the future combined there's there isn't a linear progression of reality like we do in the somatic world and that's where you can really get a sense of your innate self those those qualities and those those energies or those forces they call it fluids in this tradition that regenerate itself so then you realize that you're um you are this historical manifestation of this ancient soul of this ancient uh, source of light which um, you're able to discern which are these innate qualities versus those you've picked up through societal influences. Very Platonic and also very Egyptian, actually. The idea of the ak or the star at the center of each being. And it's also interesting, the Isis work, because in the Egyptian tradition, Isis is associated with the astral body, the ba, and and it has to you know the initiation into the Isiac work and the Egyptian Hermetic mysteries had to do with being learning how to leave the body, and which is you know symbolized by the human-headed hawk. And what I hear you describing is so so aligned with what you know what we know at least to some degree of what what the mysteries of Isis were actually associated with in Egypt, at least as expounded by people like um, you know like. Schwaller, yeah. Delubis, and Jeremy Nadler, and you know, um, and even the text, the te- you know, they were leaning on the text. But it's really interesting to me because you're describing a living tradition that is legitimately drawing yeah. on these uh, interpretations. Yeah, and, and you know, the, the the question or one of the challenges once you're you're able to you know have these astral journeys and leave the body, like, what do you do with it? Like, what is the purpose of this? And in in this tradition, it, it is about kar, uh, karmic repairs, at least at the um, Isaac or the lunar level. Is that um, I mean, we come 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 into this world unless we're avatars as imperfect beings and with with a purpose. And when you're able to enter into these transcendent states, typically in 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 these astral environments, and you're able to uh, identify, um, you know, your your inadequacies and what your strengths are is an opportunity given the um, what they call the sacral representations or these dramas that you occur. Typically, like in a dream state, there are they are all symbolic messages of of where the growth is and where where how you react. And and they say is 
is that, you know, dying is, is you want to die when you're living. So when you die, you live. That makes sense. Because totally. you're, the ability to, to not only have lucid dreamings, to be aware that you're actually dreaming, but to be active in it, to be able to um, realize you're dreaming and, and understand the scenario based on the training you have so you can reprogram yourself at a deeper level. So when you're back in this somatic world of the here and now of the three dimensions, you've made some really significant change and you just don't go into reboot of how you typically act. So it's important in, in the astral framework to be able to pick up on these dramas or these scenes of these scenarios that are provided to you to understand who you are at a at an interior person the exterior person being the symptom or the outcome of these interior forces so when you're in an astral you're in a much more privileged manner to recognize or to see that your true self but also because of the laws of the environment it's much less dense the the, the atomic um, uh, constituency of the astral world is much more open and mobile, flexible for change, and it provides you the tools, they being the, the this, this school, to be able to make some of these karmic um, retributions or changes to your to your underlying self, to these these transfigurations, which will lead to a transformation, which will lead to a much more holistic and a much more developed self in the in the exist, existential dimension of of who you are. Super interesting. I mean, you talked about the mesmerism and the magnetism. I assume spiritism was in the mix as well. Yeah, uh, Kremers had a low low opinion of spiritism. There was a fa- in the eighteen eighties and nineties when spiritism was very big and. And um, you know Ouija boards, and 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 um, there were there were dens where you know there were seances would occur, and you know the um, you know ectoplasm would be uh, would be projected, and and, mm-hmm. and like apparitions, and and you know Kremers was fine with that. He, he was just saying that at the end people would go away and they'd be odd, but they wouldn't change. And so, yeah. what is the purpose? It became like a Barnum and Bailey freak show. Yeah. So what? Kermis was more interested in is in how to tap into this, uh, into the secret world, into the occult world, to be able to use it for practical means. Um, and this whole thing about hermetic th- um, uh, therapy is about the spirit. The spirit and the physical are all one. They're not separate entities. There is a unicum, and that that the spirit is you know is is much more. Uh, it was much more more expansive, and there's greater chance to affect the outcome or the the physical world by making changes in the spiritual. And that the previous um, discussion that I mentioned that all ties into that. It's a, it the spiritual uh, is much more attuned to be able to making profound change on the individual than than in the physical. Than uh, you know, than go, going to a psychiatrist or or you know, making physical changes, which is helpful, but you really want to you want to progress to another level. If you're want to find who you really are, what your life purpose is, you need to go inside to get to to be able to make those changes. Mm-hmm. No, I really appreciate the one the focus on on healing others almost exclusively. Um, of, of course, you mentioned the alchemical healing of yourself in that process as well. 
So speaking of, of how this all works, and you did go into it a little bit, can you maybe elaborate on on kind of the theory of, of how this healing takes place? You did mention that the chains um, where there's lots of people kind of coordinating and focusing, um, but what's some, some of the underlying kind of metaphysics in addition to what you've already explained? Yeah, um, so typically the process would be um, there's a daily, there, there's a, there's a hermetic chain of, of praying souls, and they, they practice a, a, a daily ritual and other rituals, uh, including things such as fasting and um, other practices as well, which, which are more reserved. And it's basically to develop a, a purity, to, to, to go into this magical, to go into this magical space where they can not only purif- purify themselves, but let their inner, their inner self really come to the forefront and to to um to channel that energy so there are specific convergences of doing collective rituals where energy from this deeper plane within the self which is called the miriam the miriam is a is a is a is a level of purity miriam or mary is the one the redeemer of of lilith and of eve it's the the the, the the matrix that gave birth to the Christ to the divine child, so those are all metaphors of of the individual practice or the, to arrive at that level of of being that they can give birth to the divine child, and uh, so this reservoir of energy is 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 accumulated based on these hermetic practices, and in terms of the actual uh, application, the patient would come to. Um, the the request for healing must come from the patient. The, the healers or the Miriam, which is a collective order, fraternity of Miriam, the fraternity or brotherhood refers to the human side. The Miriam refers to the divine side. So it's a it's the merging of the human with the divine within and in the singular and collective level. the The process, as I alluded to earlier, is the patient needs needs to approach a member and say that you know, they, they are asked for their help because they need to open up. There needs to be a convergence or a core mm-hmm. that's, that's developed between the Miriam, which is this collective purified energy, and the recipient. If not, then this, you know, sort of like a Bluetooth, you know, you where you want to connect your your um, your cell phone to to the, you need to be able to have this convergence. Without it, um, you know, when we're talking about remote energy healing, then there won't be a convergence and you'll have sterile results. So um, there's, there's typically that convergent point. And then uh, a, a healer would, uh, one of the masters, Miriams, would do a diagnosis. And typically a diagnosis is not only about the symptoms, but also about their karmic background, their family, their when they were born, their influences and so on, to get a profile to understand at, uh, at the level of, of healing that is required. And then based on the archives of similar type of interventions and a, a, a prescription of, of rituals and, and other type of methods to be able to um, release the appropriate type of energy, the quality of energy to help the individual. And there are basically three types of modalities of, of treatment. There's the positive, where the energy of the Miriam would actually be focused onto the ailment to destroy that ailment if it was bacterial or viral. Mm-hmm. The second is an indirect where 
the uh, healing energies of the of the Miriam, of this divine source, of this sort of like what, uh, like at Lourdes or, or 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 Mecca or some of the other sanctuaries, people go there for for miracles, and this they're looking for indirect uh, uh, therapies where the energy would purify their body and provide the environment where their own body would would nullify the morbus or the the ailment that's afflicting them. So that's the indirect. The third is a mix where it combines both direct and indirect. So there's the direct convergence of this um, uh, solar energy to to kill the the ailment, but also there's this healing energy to strengthen the afflicted, the exchange of vital energies that I talked about uh, pr- previously. So that in, in is a summary. It's, there's much more details than that. Sure. It depends on... So treatments. So the, the 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 calendar is very important. They the the Miriam used both the Chaldean uh, ca- calendar and Egyptian calendar. Chaldean is a lunar calendar, and Egyptian is is a solar calendar. So depending on the type of of energy or therapy required, whether it was a solar or direct, or a lunar or indirect, or both, and then they would consult the 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 calendars to see the what the the appropriate type of energy and the appropriate type of supplements that would be required uh, in in conjunction with the transference of energy. So it's a very much a detailed and and very much a it's not a like a faith be, healing. A Kermit says it's it's this practice is not based on faith. It's it's based on science, empirical scientific evidence, even though it does um, uh, enter into or tap into into met- met- metaphysical dimensions. Well, um, one of the prime indicators for me, um, besides the fact that you know there's an ancestral uh, attraction to 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 the work, but um, one of the prime indicators for me of authenticity is what you described with the um, Miriam, the actual the the name Miriam and the sim, sim the the meaning of Miriam. I mean that's that's a primary, I uh, you know whether you're talking about the esoteric or even Gnostic Christian understanding of it or the Egyptian understanding of it, it's the same, it's the same thing when you drill down into it and come to understand it. It's like there's a book in the Nakamadi Library, uh, the Exegesis of the Soul, and it starts out with wise men of old gave the soul a feminine name. And indeed, the soul is feminine, and it starts talking about how the soul is a womb, and it's of, of a feminine nature. And that goes back to Plato talking about how the soul has to be purified of the impressions of the senses and turned within to become virginal again to conceive the seed of God within it. Beautiful, son. Well done. Yeah, well done. And that's, you know, I, I know the Hermetic Brotherhood of Luxor, you know, they also had this mystery, but they seem to have had some connection to the Miriam yeah, I think it was uh, through the Egyptian well. order. Um, that that was my sense, um, but I'm not an expert in the, in the Hermetic Brotherhood of of Luxor. It's just intriguing to me that there's still, in fairly recent times, people practicing a spiritual science, really the, the transfiguration of the soul. And because when you're talking about, you know, Eve, um, the fir- the first wife of Adam, and then or and then you talk about Eve, second wife of Adam, and then you're talking about Mary. You know, it's a really profound mystery because you're talking not only about 
archetypal or divine figures who are self-existent and actual beings, but because they're also archetypal, they are prefigurations of states of our own soul and 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 the states that our soul can pass through from from vulgarity to to sacredness to and and i think that 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 state that transformative power of healing it's just it's such a profound mystery and then when you you know you bring in the mystery of the of asclepius and the serpent the the the, the healing serpent and the waters i mean all of these things they all yeah. interconnect you know they're all signifiers of a of a very specific very specific hermetic exactly. tradition i mean the remnants are still visible today even in conventional science where uh, you go by go outside any apothecary or or pharmacy, pharmacy and they have the caduceus which is uh, the famous uh, uh, wand of of hermes and it all it all points back to this mystery tradition that we're talking about this heal, ancient healing tradition um that was that was in many ways uh, recedes back to prehistory thousands of years it's incredible it's like how on the metternich stela it shows the child harpocrates standing on the alligators and holding the poisonous scorpions and snakes in his hands as if they're harmless and that that's another signifier of the same tradition yeah, I, I have in my book where um, how to describe uh, or define Kremerts, and there's a cipher in the Mir- in the Miriam, which was given to neophytes to understand or, or sort of to crack the code, where it goes something like this: that um, you describe Miriam, um, you can describe Kremerts in in these terms: that when the Mer- when the Maria is exalted. The two snakes of the caduceus begin to copulate and balance their energies, whereby the ibis rises and take flight. So that um, cipher, which was given as a as a means to crack for for individuals to to understand how this whole practice works, kind of summarizes what we're we're talking about. That the two serpents represent the the two life forces that go around our our spine around the kundalini the solar and the lunar and to put them in balance once you get them in balance which means you reach a level of equilibrium of balance you're able to grow you're able to open up to these insights that things you previously didn't see you're able to be conscious of the energetic component of life that you're interconnected with everything but individual at the same time so a lot of the contradictions are reconciled by by really understanding some of these symbolisms and how they apply into the into everyday life into the here and now it's it's really intriguing i mean it, that and that's the essence of that's the essence of the teaching of thoth is is balancing opposing forces and the um the 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 maintenance of equilibrium and the harmony of the balance. Yeah, exactly. And and those those forces are are at the basis of creation that um you know that the vibrational current occurs when there's a positive current and a negative current and they connect and it creates. That's the root of being and and you know read astrophysics it all comes down to that. There's a positive and a negative, whether it's in in you know protons and eons and, and and neurons and so forth. It all connects. It creates a synthesis. It goes from the 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 monad to the dyad to the triad, and then the manifestation is with the tetrad. 
the Miriam uh, studies takes you to the to the penta, to the five, to fixing the root of that, which is the Newman. And those are for, for advanced practitioners. But it all, the symbolism all makes sense and it's all practical today as it was 2,000 years or, or more ago when some of these, these, these teachings uh, were first started to get coded uh, into, into, into texts and into manuscripts and so forth. Prior to that, they were, it was all verbal. It was all done through, you know, sacerdotal uh, brotherhoods and, 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 um, uh, and, and various communities that uh, practice a, a spiritual life. You know, what's interesting is, is the similarities to, uh, you know, I see similarities to the to the Hindu Tantra, especially, you know, or Indian Tantra, especially in Shaktism and in, um, you know, when we're dealing with the Kundalini, the balancing of the Ida and Pingala, the, you know, the also the the um, the microcosm, yeah. macrocosm reciprocity, mm-hmm. you know, all of this in the 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 imminence and transcendence of the divine rather than going to one or other yeah. of the two poles as so many religious traditions try and do the recognition of the interpenetration of them is you see it in both traditions and it's really it's really interesting because it lends credence to what you were saying about there being an underlying universality to these mysteries even though they may have been expressed differently depending on the cultural matrix in which they arose yeah, within. Yeah, no, I, I, I totally support that uh, point of view as well. It makes sense. And and my research has, has affirmed that as well without taking away the, the individuality or the uniqueness of various branches of tradition underlying all the various traditions or mystery schools. I think there's a, there's a commonality um, you know, it may, it may different symbols, different wordings, but it, in in the end, it it kind of all lines up, and and it all um, reaches back to a common root, and 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 um, a com- the the common uh, symbolism and 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 doctrines behind a lot of these different traditions and practices that um, you know have have come to the forefront as as being specific to a specific region or 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 racial group or tribe or something like that. And in the end it's like mathematics. Two plus two is four, whether it's it's in China or Germany or, or America or, or Canada. So this is the universality and the the inherent truth behind the the manifestations of these traditions um shows a, a uh, shows a, a commonality among various fronts but but again without cheapening that they're you know that that they that they're specific to a given time and era and and people and and so on and so forth they just you know there's a lot of cultural appropriation especially in new age stuff where everything gets gets whitewashed and and mixed mm-hmm. together and it becomes like a bad a bad salad or a bad soup it's it's not what we're i think we're talking about it's um I think again on or or um Shun's and you know the there's a transcendent unity among various religions and and various symbolism and traditions itself that uh focus on the on the unity of of what's disparate that they all can reconcile to um a similar structure and a similar understanding a similar logos sure i mean truth is truth, and like you said you you put it very well. 
two plus two is four, no matter where you are in the world. Um, and even with, um, you had mentioned in, in, in Kremer's um, writings, he talks about karma and reincarnation. And you think, oh, well, that's very exotic. That's very Eastern. But you also see those things um, very plainly in, in Platonism as well. So Yeah, and especially in Pythagorism and even yeah. Orphism, the 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 notion they're they're in the tablets especially in southern italy of or orphics who who talk about so they would write uh you know these uh, death tablets these golden tablets where um these practitioners of orphism would say you know we'll see you next time and they call sister death and you know next time I'll, i'll come back and you'll recognize me by you know the the glimmer in my eye or the you know, uh, there's some distinction like that. So it's it's definitely not reincarnation is not a a doctrine that's um, not known to the West. It's just probably for the most part forgotten. Mm-hmm. You know, Pythagoras wrote about uh, the, the writings about Pythagoras was that he was a reincarnation of of Apollo or of of some other heroes as well. So and and it was studied. Abaris. It was studied in some of these mystery schools. I just it wasn't manifested to the public like some of the other philosophical teachings because they were considered sacred, or it was you know for for initiates and not for the masses. Sorry. Right, and I I think that what you're saying is a, a good analogy for that is how. There is a way that there is a certain manner after which certain gods are expressions of a henad or or, or a, a godhead that expresses itself differently in adjacent cultures, like like the famous Hermes Thoth. You know that this this is, you know, Hermes and Thoth at the at least during the period of Alexandria were pretty much recognized as being the same god, but that doesn't mean Hermes and Thoth are the same as Hephaestus. You know, like it's not it, it's in the same way. I think we can say that, like, not all religions are the same yeah. and they serve different functions. You know, it's like there is a way in which certain things are similar or the same or 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 um, execute the same function in different contexts. But that does not mean that all things yeah. are equivalent. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, kind of like the ISIS and Mary thing. I mean, for those with eyes to see, it's it's this multi-leveled yeah. and, and mystery. That, that um that archetype, the Marian archetype, has um its versions in, in Buddhism in in the Green Tara and in in Hinduism as well. It's 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 universal and, and even in some of our Amer- uh, uh Native American or, or Aboriginal uh, as well, it's, it's a very common archetype. Um, so it's not, it's no single religion or tradition can take exclusive it, exclusivity or copyright on that. It's, it's, a, it's a, it's a concept. It's a symbol that has deep reverberates deeply, you know, into the souls of, of, of humanity, not just into various subgroups of humanity. That's how I see it, gentlemen. I like it. So, David, I want to go back to a word that you mentioned earlier. Um, you said you said the F word, and I want to I want to see if we can kind of <laughs> dig into that a little bit more. Um, faith. Oh, I thought you were talking about the four letter <laughs> word. <laughs> what do you want to know about faith? Yeah, about faith. So, you um, seem to indicate earlier that um, 
there was not a place for faith. And is that is that right? Because well, let me contradict and say there is a place, but okay, not yeah. where most people think it should be. Explain. Kramer's warned against faith in accepting these practices, these rituals, these these therapies on face value, just because he said it or another member of the Miriam said it. He says, no, be skeptical. Let evidence, let evidence guide you. However, when you, as I talked about earlier, when for the healing energy, remote healing energy to work, for there to be a transmission, you need a connect, you need a rapport, a connection between positive channel, which is the, the healing chain and the recipient, which is usually the the infirmer, the infirm, the ailing individual, and they need to open themselves up. If they're if they're like this is not going to work, they're totally negative. That brings out their lower lower astral or lunar selves, and that in itself, as we all know, anyone's being sick. If you're miserable and you're just a son of a bitch, you have a, you tend to have hold on to that um, sickness longer than if you were. Not being falsely uh, positive, but you know, being more proactive in, in being healed and being confident that you will. Confidence is is the same thing. It's the same thing. So faith has its component that you're confident that you're open to this healing, but don't. It shouldn't. It shouldn't be the basis of the of the practice itself because it just won't work. I think we're talking about the contrast between blind faith. And a leap of faith, or even faith informed by yeah. knowledge. I mean, faith from the Latin word is fides, and and it means that you can be faithful. Um, you know that you're you you um, comply, you you enforce, you affirm a certain principle. But faith isn't fides if you're take everything I say is for for you know God's honest truth, or for for it's always going to be right because. I'm not. I know myself. It's I'm not. So that's the difference. It's it's getting to the the root of the meaning, getting to the noumen, the core of of what fides means, and 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 to be open to transference of energy, just like in in with a woman with a sexual partner, you you if you want to have like amazing sex, is you you know is you open yourself both of yourselves open yourself up, and there's this transference. There's this component where you know, it becomes it, it takes on its its life of its own, and you have to be open to absolutely. That. And the heart, the heart yeah, has the to, heart be has to be open. Not mean, just the head, you and, just touched, or not just the physical body. You know, heal me, heal me. If yeah, you that's don't, one of you know, my favorite don't, This subjects. is not going to work. I mean, I've, I've, I'll give you an example. I've uh, Reiki. I've tried Reiki a number of times, and I'm open to it. It makes sense to me in theory. I haven't had any, I haven't felt any difference, mm. but I've had girlfriends who've tried it and they come away and, oh, I feel like a new person and this and that. So I take it for, I take it for the word, but for me, it doesn't work. Can you talk a little bit about, for our audience, I understand what you're talking, I'm sure Dom does too, but Newman, can we get, can we, can we kind of drill down into Newman and what that means in its original context and what it means in the context of the Miriam sure, the work? Newman is, is a Roman term. Um, ancient Latin term, and it represents your their core being of of each individual has a newman. So the equivalent would be like a soul, but it has much more uh, depth and and qualities associated than what we typically call a soul. So a newman in itself, um, for those who are alive, 
is, does not extinguish a death, that the noumen itself is an individual monad, which means um, that it's a, it's a unique center of light within a greater spectrum of light. And this monad has both an unconscious, a dark side, and a light side, which is consciousness. So the more that you can convert your consciousness, the more you can convert your unconscious, your dark side, to your light side, the more that you're aware and you're able to uh, act from the core of your being, from your newman. So the core, the um, one of the purposes, one of the objectives of of a of a of a of a man of a veer. Veer was a nobleman in ancient Rome times. Is to find your your newman. Is to discover your newman and not just be an actor on the on the on the scene who just follows you know follows a crowd type of thing. The herd mentality. And and there are techniques of you know they even do that in in psychotherapy a depth psychology is to understand or be recognize your innate qualities. You know I have an affinity for the color blue. I like spicy food. I, you know I've I I'm really good at drawing. These are the type of things that you may have discovered in yourself when you were younger that was you didn't learn on it on, in on itself. You know you can develop those things but those how when you're able to acknowledge that there are uh, qualities that there are attributes about you that don't come from family or don't come from from um, social conditioning from education those are the core of who you are and the Romans had uh, for every individual at least for the the nobles had three names. They had the 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 individual name, uh, Julius. Uh, uh, they had uh, the family name, say, say Caesar, and then they had the um, what they call the stripe, the stirrup name. That's your transpersonal or your Newman name, and that was something you didn't give out because those who knew your 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 Newman could have power over you because they they could go right to the source and and have control you or 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 know know you as well. So that was something that you didn't give away uh slightly. So sort of I guess like what a mantra in in some forms of of Hindu spirituality where you're given a mantra by the guru and you're not supposed to share this mantra mantra because it dilutes it and it becomes profaned and and um it it decomposes. So a similar thing with the Newman is that you Part of the purpose of your life purpose is to discover that Newman and discover who you really are, not the 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 historical self, but the the spiritual self, the the root of your being. It's sort of like in numerology, a prime number, a number that can't be divisible, that's unique on its own, like three or five or seven. Uh, it's not a composite number like nine or or like any of the um the whole uh, the uh, whole numbers like two and four and so on and so mm -hmm. forth so understanding is to develop who you are by by recognizing your newman and some people never do that and it's they're not they're not able to crack that uh, code to to get to the core of who they are by separating things that that are creations versus those true um spiritual currents that ascendant path that uh comment that mercurial light that defines who they are 
mm-hmm. as, as a body of light within this greater cosmos of light. And so in the context of, of this greater conversation, would you say that this realization of the Newman or this um, knowing of the Newman is, is a prerequisite to becoming a healer? Not re- not necessarily because okay. um, it, the, it, I think the, 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 the understand knowing the core of who you are is at a much deeper level. When we're talking to Miriam, the healing, those healing powers, those occur at the, the, at the lunar level. And um, you can still continue with your search, which is at the solar level. So the, 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 the Miriam follows a traditional uh, classification of, 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 of individuals based on the four hermetic bodies. The, the lower one is the uh, Saturnian, which is the somatic or physical. The sublimation of that is a lunar one, which is the, the Mary part, which is a, associated with your, your emotional centers. Then the mercurial is your intelligent, and the solar is your divine. Is that core eternal being that um, is lives at a, at a at a deeper plane? And and this, I mean, it's in reality, it's not like that. It's it, it's it's pedagogical ways to understand that we're at multiple dimensions and we have different layers of the cells. In reality, all these different components, these different bodies, they're interpenetrable. Mm-hmm. So the solar is 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 manifested in the in your physical body and and the the mercurial the intelligent in your emotional or in your humoral self as well it's all inter- we're all one it's energy is all energy but there are various levels so just sort of like the 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 musical scale you've got the do the do re it goes higher from lower lower pitch to a higher pitch but it's all part of the of the you know of 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 the musical scale of 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 uh, of sound interesting and um relating back to what we were talking about a second ago about about faith there's this receptivity that sounds like that needs to be present in the person who's being healed um, and it's very reminiscent uh, for me um, in uh, esoteric Japanese Buddhism. You have a term called it's, it's kaji, and it's essentially empower empowerments. You have people talking about empowerments in, in Tibetan Buddhism, but there's the you have to have that receptivity and the the grace essentially from yeah. the Buddha, or in the case of the healer, um, you can't have just one or the other. There has to be kind of that porous ability yeah. to accept except the healing. So so on that note, so Kremitz writes about the state of mag where the healer, the Miriam practitioner needs to develop. And the state of mag is a state of love, not love in the sentimental or personal, I love you, you love me, or I'm in love with this girl, but love is this universal force. You know, something like, you know, like gravity or something like that. It's a universal force. And, and that in itself is connected at this lunar level, at this Mary level. And, and that is the medium through which this connection, this transmission of these healing energies is most propitious. And, and both parties, both the, the healer, the transmitter and the receiver need to connect at that level mm-hmm. for there to be a, for there to be a successful or a propitious 
transference of overabundance of energy to those who are who are lacking, who are who are imbalanced. Yeah. So very much love as a as a force, as a um energy uh to cultivate within oneself uh, to be able to 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 project this energy to be able to to heal it to be able to to use it in practical terms and without being lost because some people get into a delirium and that's not divine love that's more eros and that's more um uh you know crazy love which mm-hmm. this we're, we're talking about not being in, in a state of balance so Kremitz calls it mag, a state of mag as, as um, free love. So love that where the practitioner is in a state of love, but he's not absorbed or he's not possessed by the love. Interesting. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah so would you consider this this type of work uh, theurgic rather than thaumaturgic? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think there are elements of both, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it ta- based on the... On the um, so Kremis writes about both natural magic and divine magic with a thaumaturgic, um, depending on the type of of um, therapy that's required, the direct, indirect, or mixed. And then we're on, you know, in, in, in cases that require theurgic, where some of these entities, these aeons are, are coerced to, to release some of their energies. Um, where the conditions are required. And what, what about this, um, this term that I, I caught in your book, that it's a principle of valorization. Can you explain that? Yeah. So that's, that's um, a practice um, that more advanced therapists would, or, or hermeticists uh, would develop in Ezer or Kremert's um, first master was uh, renowned for having this, a quality of valorization. So valorization or value is the ability to transmit virtues, qualities of energies based on the seven spectrums of universal light onto an object or onto a being to be able to to use that as a as a supplement for healing. So for example, uh, the, the example provided in the book and it's taken from one of Kremert's, um, one of the texts that are most reserved it's called the corpus, and he brings the example when Kremers was very young, and he was walking along a beach with his master, Izar, and he asked his ma- master for a cure for his insomnia, for the fear of night, for not sleeping. And the Izar picked up a, a, a shell from the from the from the sea from the um, the the beach, a triangular shell, and you know he looked at it and in he did something to it, and he gave it to to Kremers, and I said, "Here, take this. Keep this by your side at night, and you won't ha- you won't have trouble sleeping or fearing the night." And Kremers thanked his master, and he goes, "Is this will this work through self suggestion?" And Ezer said, "No, because even if you don't believe that uh, this this stone, this shell will cure will cure you, will release you, it will because my will's imp- impregnated in it." It's imprinted on it. So transvalorization is the ability of the hermetic, the of the of the adept to imprint their will, their virtues on an object, 
and to have that object to transmit that energy at, at a distance. And again, it's very few had that ability to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, I'm pretty sure Kremerts did because the, there are uh, testimonies or examples how he would um, valorize various types of of vegetable or and mineral based um, supplements that he would give to uh, to sick individuals to help them to um, to, to heal. That's interesting because um, you do see, you know consecrations and blessings of talismans and amulets and stuff but oftentimes it's um you're bringing in uh, a spirit to to inhabit the the amulet or or maybe like a an astrological ray um like a, you're in the right timing for venus or something um but not necessarily the actual magician's intention yeah, and and to what extent the the transmission of the virtue is um is is coded or based on the the adept's uh, will versus the harnessing of these transpersonal energies, one of these seven hermetic rays. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's a fine line. That's that's a, you know is to explain where one ends and the other begins. My sense is that the, the adept has the ability based on his knowledge of the interaction of the har- harmonia mundi between the macrocosm and the microcosm sure. to be able to, to channel these energies and through their, the, through their synchronicity or something called syzygy to be able to transmit that. But whether they and themselves have that capacity, probably not, because the amount of energy that needs to be transmitted is beyond the capability of individuals. But their ability to tap into that mm. is something else. Well, that goes back to the the idea of the soul and the 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 soul womb, and it's if the soul is made virginal in the Platonic sense, and it can become receptive to the celestial principles. Be, become impregnated by them, and then act as a conductor, yeah. uh, you know, into the into the um, telesmata, um, and impregnate them with magnetic force, and and, and enliven the talisman as, as a as really a medial principle, as a, as yeah. an intermediary principle between the cosmic and the and the and the yeah. and the local. And and the teachings tell us that. Um... Uh, at an unconscious level, there's a connection, there's a unicum among souls and the spirit, and that that energy can be transmitted and then filtered through the unconscious of the healer or the adept, and then through their consciousness to be able to harness and project that out um, for for the purposes that are required in the event that they're that they choose to be involved with. And is this something that uh, Kremers? Did um, in his later years, um, I want to say that I no, can, I think no. he he had these powers. Um, so there are a number of different, um, and it's written about in the book uh, powers that he had. Um, you know, one of this valorization that you brought up, Dom, that we talked about. The other is this as tel- tel- telepathy, where he uh, instituted a, a, a tele- telepathic healing box. So in the later parts of Kremert's life. Uh, he he lived in uh, in in southern France, uh, just outside of Monaco, and most of his academies or 
or the chains that were the chains of Miriam were based in Rome or Naples or in Bari in Apulia in the southern part of Italy. So at certain hours, he would converge through this telepathic box messages from the, I guess, the the authorities of the, the various academies. They would send these messages to him, and he would pick the, pick them up to, to telepathically, and then be, and then send through telegrams what the what the cures were, because the 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 masters didn't have that telepathic ability that Kremers had to receive, or else he would have sent the 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 um, remedies or the the therapies that he recommended to them um, telepathically. The the recipient parties didn't have that didn't have those capabilities. So he had this, he had those, a lot of those qualities he developed as a young, as, as a young man. He spent a lot of time in developing spagyric alchemical um, remedies as well. Um, besides the, the magnetism, the, the, of, of the story around Kremers is when he was, um, after his master died, he was assigned to, some hermetic colleges in southern France. Um, one of them, I think, was with Pappas, who was a very renowned uh, Martinist, and where he learned some of these techniques of of, of um, mesmerism and, and magnetizing. And he, apparently he was quite advanced in that as well. So um, he had a very broad knowledge and application of the various hermetic arts. Um, and it's just not just with healing, but even though he himself, I think his his vocation in life was to be a healer. He did study in in Argentina, received a a, a degree in in conventional he actually in homeopathy. So he was considered a, a licensed doctor in in that practice. But his therapies, as as we've talked about, encompass much more than. You know your common uh, your common re- remedies that were available at that time. But he believed that they shouldn't be exclusive. Where where it made sense is to combine. I mean, he took very much a a, a patient's perspective. I mean, you just want to get them healed. Not important how you do it. So he was very much unique and probably way ahead of his time because most doctors, like most professions, you know, if the only tool in the ham in their in their box is a hammer, then everything is like is looks to them like a like a nail, right? Mm-hmm. Whereas Kremitz was much more open and much more flexible in his uh, trying to understand the, the the correlation between illness and health, and and how you can change one state to the other. So there's a pragmatism there. Yeah, very much pragma- pragmatic. Something there's two things I w- I want to mention. Um, I want to I want to touch on while we still have a little bit of time left. The first is you mentioned also looking into the root causes of of illnesses. And I'm assuming when we're talking about illness, we're not even necessarily just talking about physical illness, but probably also emotional illness. Yeah, no, we're, we're and, looking um, at what the t- topic I think um, when you were away, uh, Janice, that Dom and I were focusing on is in, in the, the Newman, and in, in basically what the individual's predisposition is. So in their incarnation, what was her predisposition? And I know Marco Daffy had indicated that uh, he was missing in his third element, his lunar body. It was um, uh, 
to use a bad analogy, badly made, and that his for him to get wholeness to to accede to another a more higher uh, incarnation in the future, in the future life is that he had to repair his third his third body, which meant he needed to find his um, his feminine complement, both in the physical sense and in an internal mm. sense, mm. because he was pretty advanced solar and mercurial and saturnial. He was came from a very rich family, like one of the richest families in Italy, the, with huge possessions of farmlands and and et cetera. Um, but he was missing his the this is his psycho emotional component was out of whack with his other parts of his body. And mm. for him to to make his life worthwhile, he had to correct that. And that was his life mission. And that leads me to the other half of that question, which is um, at the beginning of this interview, you uh, mentioned briefly the um, the root causes of, of of certain illnesses being karmic. And you know, if, if you look at if you look at the um, whether we're looking at the Buddhist or the Hindu understanding, that's ultimately has to do with the the mind. On now, when I say the mind, I don't necessarily mean the discursive, rational, analytical intellect. But but the deeper mind holding the the um, the the samskaras, the you know the root causes that produce karma, um, being in these deep deep areas of the mind, being karmic traces from prior incarnations. Does this um, does this um, hermetic therapeutics address these root causes well, yeah. uh, in the I causal think that's body? The whole basis of our discussion. Example would be. If a patient comes to you and they have a problem with alcohol alcoholism, conventional treatment is you know you go to Betty White and you practice abstinence and you and you you know you 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 drink all that knock now you make these external uh, changes in your life and hopefully you'll you'll get better and, and a lot of times you don't. Their medic looks at what the predisposition to alcoholism. So it's a question of not, it's not the alcohol the problem, it's the root cause, is, is addiction. Why you have an addictive po- of personality in the first place? What is lacking, because, you know, we're, we are um, mirrors of the, div- of, of the divine, and we are meant to be born whole, not lacking anything. And that's part of the whole lessons of the whole fall of, of mankind, is that we, we've fallen into this state of relativity but we have the tools to to reintegrate back into our divine core which is it which is the whole which is the newman which is the core of who we are at a pre-manifested state so looking at what are the predispositions or those innate qualities that lead one to have that predisposition for being addicted never mind whether it's alcohol or or whatever your whatever your addiction is, and looking at you know things, looking at the profile of the individual from multiple levels, from astrology, from from um, from um, generational or or you know family type of issues, the environment you're in, um, and 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 looking at various traces we talked about earlier, how uh, you know even Freud mentioned it is is you know, these Freudian slips is to understand who the real self is trying to get out is being aware of those type of symbols to be able to put together this 
more in-depth profile of what's causing or the root cause of the addiction, and then dealing with the various therapies that one has at one hand based on one study to come up with the appropriate um, means to cure, to remedy the deficiencies underlying the physical symptoms. That's what we're talking about. Now, in the in the if you scrutinize the Hermetic scriptures, such as the Kore Kosmu, the Asclepius, um, the and the the other Hermetica, it, it it's it's um it's said here and there, and it's implied in many places that the after the initial catechetical and purificatory degrees, um, you have to be able to uh, externalize the astrosome in order to be able to enter into contact with with the degrees of the order that are um on the astral on the astral plane and would you say that the miriam is in continuity with that idea that there is a, a astral component to the order that's only accessible through uh a- after the after the purification has occurred that enables a person to to uh enact the separation between the bodies. Yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying. I'm not sure what the question is. The question is, is does, does that follow? Is that similar oh. to? Yeah, I think that there are some similarities or there are some congruences with that without that being the core goal. I think in some orders like the like um, the Golden Dawn where you, you converge with the masters and that indicates a certain level of, of adepthood and so forth. Um, not not aware that is the case uh, with the Miriam. I think it's it's more about when you master these lunar or Isaac um, uh, initiation, you're you move you're 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 ripe for Osirian type of of um, initiation, which have more of an inner alchemical component. Um, the aeonic component of of being um, in in com- conference with other non-physical entities is more at the Miriam or lunar stage of things where um, the initial mm-hmm. sign of initiation or be- being able to go inside yourself to get outside of yourself is you have these contacts. And we talked about earlier, I don't know if you were here, the ability for it to be, to identify who you are uh, in a, in these astral planes and not subcuing to uh, being absorbed into the into that greater environment or being possessed and so forth and 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 you know being recognizing the various aeonic entities at that level and being able to harness them is part of the maturing and and, and the, the the that whole maturation of of the inner self of 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 your whole vocation, your spiritual vocation. And that that would also translate to the after death state, then, because if you if you're able to solidify and and maintain continuity of consciousness while in the flesh, then once you exit the flesh, continuity of which is a very Egyptian idea, you know the idea. Yeah. So they they talk about the the fifth element is is that you fix your core. So as you enter, as you trans, as you passage from one state to the other, the somatic to the astral, you know, it could be a dream state. It could be some state of ecstasy. 
is that you still recognize who you are at the core. You don't lose that connection. And that in itself is a preparation for a post-mortem uh, awakening. So we we talked about earlier that at the core of the the Newman at the core is is the monad, and the monad is is both it's a it's a dyad it's dyadic. So there's a the black side the, or the unconscious and the white side or the conscious side. So sli- sleeping, you enter into the black side, and then and then you have your moment where you wake up in a dream and you're able to realizing your dream and, and act and still identify with who you are. So that's where the white, that you're all part of that same monad, is a, that light has transitioned from the unconscious to the conscious. That's a prep, those, that passage occurs at the postmortem as well. Um, there, there's a component when you, when you die that your, your residue, you, you separate from your physical body and that slowly fades away in time and but it doesn't die out it's just that convergence or passage from the white monad to the dark and then that will precipitate at the right time into a new incarnation without losing the awareness the the memory of your previous incarnation because you that white um or the conscious part is latent within the unconscious and that dyadic component makes up the monad of who you are as a Newman. Very well, very well said. That's that's. I mean, to me, that seems crucial, especially say for someone like Kremerts, whose whole agenda is to be an instrumentality of healing and a benefit for others. It would enable you to to continue that work, that good work. Yeah, and 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 to recognize when you when you fall asleep or you you lose conscious, it's not the end and be all. That that core um, is is there as a monad, and and provided that you've done so, it's not available to it. The difference is it's not that that is, needs to be cultivated. That those techniques of of of, of memory recall of of identification with who you really are. That builds the core. That builds a very tight knit center that doesn't uh, uh, dissolve in sleep or doesn't dissolve in death. It, it may become latent, and when the right time to precipitate, it will germinate into the white light or the consciousness. And given that you've had the strength in, in memory and past life recall in, in, under, in recognizing your innate self, that will come back to you. There are signs that one gets, that we all get, that that indicate of of who we really are, of of that um, perpetual uh, qualities that uh, we are the basis of of each one of us individually. It's really profound. It, it really puts a it really puts a very to me it puts a it takes a lot of this work also everything we've discussed here takes a lot of this work out of the you know Western esotericism whether intentional or not, often is so theoretical. It's yeah. it's often so cerebral and theoretical. And this is exactly. what, what you're talking about is a lived, you know, when we really get to the roots of what the word therapeutic even means in, in the original, you know, the therapeutic and the, you know, it, it brings a lived, genuine, it's a path, it's a way rather than and, just... And- 
Yeah, and that's well said, um, Janice. And the, where where the healing helps is that if you're able to detect these innate qualities in your patient, then you're, it helps to reconfirm what to look for in yourself. So we all have these predispositions. We all we don't come here on a clean slate. We have these predispositions that take us on different routes. We do make these life changes. We do influence, but we have these predispositions. And to to understand, to really separate what our spiritual being is from our social being, the two may not be the same thing, um, helps us to understand what is the the perpetual versus what is more the contingent. And there are aspects that we can develop on our, our innate self to 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 add another layer so that can be um, reincarnated, that it can be developed in, in a future life or even in this life. It, it's not very much a static. It's not based on fate that you're born this way and you gotta you got to die this way and you're taking that with you. No, consciousness provides you with the tool and the mindset to, to understand where you are but also based on your vocation, that transpersonal self, that what he talked about before, that stripe that we have, that that archetype, to be able to give us the, these guidelines in terms of where we want to go as mm-hmm. well. It's like the uh, bodhisattva vow. I mean, you're vowing to be reborn as a bodhisattva, um, and that's your choice. And, you know, you are going to work towards that, and that's kind of your path from that point on. Yeah, like the bodhisattvas is that they take that vow is that, you know, that healing is is their their job isn't done until every sentient being is healed. Mm-hmm. And and part of what this teaching of the of this of the Miriam tells you is that the growth or evolution is eternal. There's no like you reach one pinnacle and hey, I made it. It's 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 eternal. It it never it's 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 beyond finite limitations, uh, which is to me one of the one of the most inspiring things aspect of it. And, and there are other elements such as the avatar that I'm going to get into my next book. Where um, so we're talking about here is the tetradic monad. So the monad is the Newman, and it has this dyadic component of the unconscious and the conscious. And the conscious manifests into into the four hermetic bodies, the the Saturnian, which is more the physical, the lunar, which is more the humoral or emotional, the mercurial, the intelligence, and the solar, which is the divine. So most of us are are, are incarnated as this tetrad, and most of us identify with the physical self. Some of us who are more advanced have emotional intelligence, and the really advanced are are the you know the, the 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 geniuses and so forth that are you know have this mercurial but what we need need to do is reintegrate that to our monad to who we really are and what our purpose and vocation that's sort of like our, our the, the that's sort of like my understanding of of how this process works for incarnate beings however there's other class of beings called avatars that instead of being tetradic monads, are monadic tetrads. Mm. What does that mean? Is that they're incarnated as avatars, or as these divine beings. They already have at birth this understanding or this uh, this this in, this this knowledge and this 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 being of consciousness of who they are, and um, and that 
is manifested in each of those different hermetic bodies. So instead of like working from the bottom up, which is what most of us do, works from the top down. And those are those like those Buddhas and Jesus Christ that, you know, are on here for a mission. Mm -hmm. They're born divine and they're communicating this light through mercurial, lunar, or even at the Saturnian level to to raise to raise the vibrational consciousness, the, the frequency higher. So let's talk a little bit about the, your next project. Let's let's talk a little about a bit about you know what's on the horizon for you now. Because yeah, I've, I've got a book, a next book, working with um, I don't know how much this I can give away with with the same publisher. It's another translation of Daffy with a lot more introduction and prologue for myself. It's called it's the working title is called the the Sirene or the Siren, and it basically talks about that as the Siren is a hybrid creature half human and half fish so half in the somatic world and half in the in the lunar world and um in the astral world or the astral sea and its ability to take the freedom and the powers from that astral to manifest it in the um in the saturnian the existential world but also as part of the task as i mentioned earlier is to reconcile the deficient uh, lunar part the the the, the fish part, the fish is understood as uh, as a symbol for um, a state of being that lives like aeons in the in the astral sea, but which is also connected to the um, physical self. So that's why Marco Daffy is a pseudonym, which is his uh, uh, Syrianac or is his lunar name, and is uh, is is the name he was born with. His his Saturnian name is. Baron Ricciardo Ricciardelli. And um, each plane of, of, of being has a different um, level of consciousness, which has a name associated with that. So that's all part of that tetradic monad, is to reconcile or reintegrate your each of your tetradic cells into your monad to reach um, wholeness and to, to be the person you were meant to be. So that's part of the next. So they'll be full of of documentation and 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 um, doctrines, it's going to be exploration of the alchemical hermetic uh, uh, of explorations in alchemical hermeticism. We talked about various doctrines and practices to be able to achieve that, to be able to 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 uh, realize your uh, lunar self and the aquatic cells, to be able to to funnel that down, cascade that down in the Saturnian level to increase your your mind your your ability to call on on knowledge and for and and practices and and virtues that aren't available at the somatic level intriguing i know i speak for dominic as well when i say we would love to have you back on the show when that book's getting (laughs) (laughs) we want to have another deep dive with you um this has been awesome you guys are really great guys and enjoyed the conversation and Hopefully we'll have many more. Cool, man. Really nice to meet your meet your acquaintance. We have to do this again. It's a must. For sure, man. It's great yeah. to be on the same wavelength that you're gonna have these conversations. It's not what I usually have when I go to the bar. Right. <laughs> with my buddies. <laughs> not what we get on to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, guys. Take care. Okay, that was David Pantano. 
David's doing some really important work translating barely known Italian esotericists. Uh, the Order of Miriam seems to have roots going back all the way into the Alexandrian fraternities. You know, the, we know that the cult of Isis existed for a very long time in the Naples area, which is of personal interest to me since I have ancestry going back there. You know, there was a temple unearthed uh, right at the base of Vesuvius uh, to Isis, I believe. And um, I know that in Naples downtown, they found underground, they've, when they were doing road renovation, they found an entire intact temple to the god Mithras. So in that area of Italy, that the southern, the, you know, the southern part of Italy, the mysteries were active for a very long time. So the claims that the Order of Miriam and um, even the Egyptian Freemasonry of Cagliostro, the Memphis Mizraim, the claims that the Egyptian tradition continued, they're really not that unusual, especially considering the natural conservatism of Italian culture and the way that Italian culture tends to preserve all kinds of archaic traditions. We could go, we could have we could have an episode exploring that that would have to be several parts just to get into all of the different vestigial remnants um, of esoteric and pre-Christian elements in Italian culture. Right. And yeah, I also enjoyed the connections that David was able to make. At least for me personally, I felt like um, he was able to bring together the different eras of hermetic thought and practice um and it's kind of a theme like i don't know that we intentionally did this but uh, a lot of our episodes lately are kind of hanging around in the same in the same general area so we've got the surrealists who were really heavy in the late 1800s into the you know early 1900s um that was kind of a big period for them. And then we just covered uh, GRS Mead, who was active during that same period. Um, we had an episode a while ago about Peladon, who would also fit into that. And so, and even the, uh, the Finnish occult episode we did, um, a lot of that took place in this, in this general time period. So there was a lot going on and it's, and it's interesting to flesh it out to better know where we're at now. Yeah, it was a really fertile time. And the thing I like about the work that David's doing is he's he's really relating it to a more general a more genuine hermetism. Um the things that Kramers was drawing on the, you can tell by the characteristics of the paradigm, of the practices, of the orientation, of even the language being used, we're not dealing with the the English, you know, sort of golden dawn synthesis and everything derived from that, nor are we dealing necessarily with the French flowering that occurred, uh, which I love, you know, Sadir, Papu, and all of, you know, all of Stanislas de Gaida, um, you know, Peladon, uh, all of those, Gerard de Nerval, all of those folks are amazing. But 
when you're dealing with the Italian tradition, as Pantano is explicating it, being somebody who has studied those ancient sources, you can see you can see that this is more truly resent, representing the Hermetic tradition as it would have been practiced and understood in that area of the world 2,000 years ago. It seems more consistent with that, whereas when we're using the term Hermetic in context of the English or the French branches or even the Russian branch, you're dealing with something very different. You're dealing with the term Hermetic being applied to a sort of synthetic spirituality uh, with esoteric characteristics, but properly taken, Hermetism has very, very definite identifiable marks which connected to the mystery cults of late antiquity, the high temple culture of Egypt, and uh, the magical synthesis that occurred in Alexandria. Um, and David was um, a delight to have on. Like he, he obviously thinks very deeply about these subjects, um, and I really appreciated his his openness and his candor and his uh, his humor. Yeah, very enjoyable conversation. He was such a pleasure to speak with. It was great to have him on. All right. So what do you got for the book segment this week? Well, what do I got for the book segment, a.k.a. what do I have? (laughs) Um, So I want to give a a real shout-out to an independent publisher of all kinds of very interesting esoteric books, Uh, called Rose Circle Publications. Um, Rose Circle puts out books on Martinism, on the Elu Cohen tradition, on esoteric Freemasonry, and uh, all kinds of other allied and related topics. Um, It is primarily run by Piers Vaughn, who, if you don't know the name, you should. He is a luminary of our current time and a legend, and as somebody who has really contributed immensely to the Western esoteric tradition in our time. Pierce translated a book called The Science of the Kabbalah by Lazar Lanane, and this is also called The Art of Knowing the Good Geniuses. It was originally published in 1823, uh, and Pierce has translated it from French into English. This is an extremely useful little book. It is inexpensive as well. Um, I don't know the exact price, but if you go on Amazon, you may be surprised at how affordable it is. Uh, This is the first translation into English of this book on the Shem Hamefarash. The Shem Hamefarash is the 72-letter name of God known from the practical Kabbalah. Now, this 72-letter name of God is permutated through Kabbalistic means into 72 different angels, or 72 geniuses. So each person is born under one of these geniuses, but these geniuses also relate to seasons, hours, and they also preside over different areas of life. So Lenane provides a simple method to identify the three geniuses which rule over one's life, and the description of the sacred calendar. Uh, This knowledge can be used in a variety of ways, from talismans to planning travel and avoiding pitfalls, 
Additionally, Pierce himself, because there were omissions in the uh, information needed to create talismans, Pierce provided a number of appendices with alternate seals and sigils, including, in addition to this, uh, 72 of the angelic seals devised by Eliphas Levy in private notes to one of his students, the Baron Spedalieri. Some might be familiar with him. It's a really useful book. It's primarily a practical book. And uh, anyone interested in this kind of magic will find this to be indispensable. Piers himself is a lifelong student of the esoteric and the theosophical paths. He's a very prominent Mason in the New York area. He's lectured across the United States and Europe and all over the place. And he's really one of the seminal figures in the resurgence of interest in Freemasonry as a path of spiritual awakening and esoteric insight. He translates a lot of material from the French Martinists, and uh, he has translated works by Louis-Claude de Saint-Martin and many others. You can find these uh, works uh, under Rose Circle Books, www.rosecirclebooks.com. Um, many of the works of Rose Circle are also on Amazon. I strongly recommend this Lazar Lenin book if you're interested in uh, experimenting with working with these angels. Uh, they are very helpful. And then also, if you're interested in Kabbalah and practical Kabbalah, this is a neat book too, because it gets into a good amount of that as well. Nice. Thank you. What's the name of the book again? Name of the book is The Science of the Kabbalah by Lazar, L-A-Z-A-R-E, Lenain, L-E-N-A-I-N. And it includes the preface by Papu to the 1909 edition. Awesome. Awesome. Cool, man. Well, thank you for doing that. And if you don't have anything else, I think it's time to wrap up. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate you, as always. Feel free to find us on all the different platforms etc and we'll see you in the next episode bye